0: Hear the word of God from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. I say, be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy drunkenness partying and other things like that i warn you as i have already warned you that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit god's kingdom but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the spirit, let's follow the spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. Friends, if I have not had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Danny Bennett. I am one of the other pastors here. You've met Vicki already. And I'd love to have a, a moment, if I haven't met you, to meet you after service. I'll be outside in our new courtyard space, and I'd love to, to meet you, to get to know you, and to learn a little bit about you. As we have gathered in this place to worship this morning, let us prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our minds. Let us go to God in prayer. O God, you set us free in Jesus Christ with a power greater than all that would keep us captive. Grant that we may live gracefully in our freedom without selfishness or arrogance and through love become slaves to the freedom of the gospel for the sake of your reign. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So friends, superheroes are not a new idea in human history. I know that we've had tons of superhero movies over the last few years, and if you watch the news, they've got them planned out through 2020 and beyond. But they're not a new idea. Myths, Contained superheroes, people that did feats and acts of strength and her- heroism that went far above and beyond the capabilities of any normal person. And myths served an important function in ancient cultures. They entertained people. They passed down particular ways for individuals to understand their lives and the world around them. Ancient mythologies passed on ideals and ways of living that hearers could aspire to. These mythologies created their own superheroes, larger-than-life characters. Some of these included Hercules and his mighty strength. Achilles, the nearly indestructible. Odysseus and others. I have long had a love of superheroes. See, comics were a central part of my reading growing up. To me, comics are a modern-day mythology. There's something about seeing the best in someone, something to look up to, something to dream about. If you've been in my office, you've seen that there's a giant kid in me that just still can't get rid of the superhero love. So one of my favorites is lovingly referred to as Marvel's first family. The Fantastic Four were the first superheroes of the Marvel universe, but they didn't look like a normal superhero as you might expect a superhero. Didn't have the square jaw, the broad shoulders, the muscular build. Instead, the four individuals that made up the Fantastic Four were a scientist, his wife, his brother-in-law, and one of his closest friends, who through some cosmic mishap, if you will, ended up with powers of elasticity, invisibility, fire, and strength with a hardened exterior, almost rock-like. While these four had remarkable strength— Each had their own personality, and these personalities often clashed with one another. They were driven by their own desires, and these desires could fracture their relationships among them. Often the comic was more about those relationships than about whatever villain or foe they were facing in that particular comic or episode. In much the same way, we often find ourselves in our relationships fractured and broken. Camille led us in a prayer of confession just a few moments ago. We do that as a reminder that we're not perfect. We do that as a reminder that we are fractured, that we are broken, that our relationships with God, with one another, and with ourselves are not where we would want them to be. As Paul writes, we tend to carry out our own selfish desires. Paul tells us that these selfish desires are set against the Holy Spirit. They produce obvious results. He lists 17 different results of a selfish life. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list, but just to remind us of the different ways that each of us are broken. Remind me of the way that I am broken, that I am imperfect, that I am in need of God and the Holy Spirit. I'm sure if we thought about it, each of us could add to this list of 17. Or we could write our own list of the ways in which we are broken, the ways in which we are in need of the Holy Spirit and God's grace. Think about it for just a moment. What would your list look like? What would be on that list? See, I'm convinced that it is these things that fracture our relationship with our friends, with our family, with God, and with ourselves. Now, other translations of the text that was just read Refer to the selfish desires as works of the flesh. It might be a little more familiar translation for some. And it's not that these works of the flesh are sinful in and of themselves. You see, we believe in a complete resurrection, both body and spirit. So the works of the flesh, if we receive a bodily resurrection, can't be entirely sinful. You see, it's when these selfish desires, these works of the flesh, overtake our aims, when they determine our direction, they become sinful, that they cause us to be broken. See, rabbis in ancient rabbinical teachings declared that God created Adam with two natures, one good and the other evil. Requiring a choice between the two. And Paul continued this line of reasoning in Romans 7, describing the civil war in the heart of people, where a person can want the good, try to choose for the good, but because of the weakness of the flesh cannot do the good, but turns instead to that which causes us to be broken, to be imperfect. When our selfish desires determine our direction, we begin to lose focus on the path God has set out for us. Our friendships begin to suffer. Worry, self-doubt creep in. Eternal con- Internal conflict grows. One of the relationships that begins to suffer as we follow our selfish desire is that relationship with ourselves. Now, some of you say, Danny, that that doesn't make sense. See, if I'm seeking after my own desires, a thing that makes me happy, aren't I just carving out a place and a space for me to enjoy life, carving out a little niche for me to be happy? It might seem that that's the logical step, but when you follow it to its end, you find that it tends to cause fracture within your own life, within your own relationship with yourself. The times that I have sought after my own happiness are the times where I found myself the least happy. What I tend to do is seek after more, and I want it faster, and I want it sooner, and it has to be now. It becomes an all-consuming obsession and happiness seems further and further away. It's in those times that I find it nearly impossible to move forward. At that point, my dreams, the things that make me happy, become my nightmare. A further nightmare is how our selfish desires hurt our relationship with God. Now, when I was younger, maybe you all can relate to this. Maybe you were in a better, you were a better child than I was. I would occasionally find myself in trouble. Honestly, it was more than occasionally. One night I asked my parents if I could go out to this new movie. It was supposed to be the movie of the decade. It was a school night. I had a big test the next day. And so logically, my parents said, no, we don't want you to go. You need to stay home, get a good night. Good night's rest, so you can take the test the next day. I was undeterred. And so after my parents went to bed, I snuck out the window, hopped in my friend's car, and off we went to the movies. After the movie was over, we came back home. He dropped me off, or rather he dropped me around the corner so they wouldn't hear the car coming up the drive. Climbed back into my window, feeling confident that I had gotten away with uh, a fun night out. But as I slipped back into my pajamas, I noticed the living room light was on. I thought maybe my brother had stayed up to watch a movie. He didn't have a test the next day after all. So I went out to see what was going on and found both of my parents sitting right there. It wasn't the punishment that hurt. It was the disappointment that I caused. And I think that's the case when we turn our backs to God, when we seek these selfish desires, we begin to hurt and fracture that relationship. A relationship with a God who loves us, whose love for us is so great, whose forgiveness is limitless, who finds greatest joy when we live into the life that we have been created for. Following our selfish desires damages a third relationship. That's the relationship with our friends and our family. Have you ever had a point in your life when you said something that immediately after it came out of your mouth you wished you hadn't said it because you know that what you said was sharp, cut and hurt another person? Or that you did something or failed to do something that you know would injure or upset a friend. I'm sure every one of us has one of those things that comes to mind right away. Either what we said or did or didn't do. No matter the reason we did it, we know immediately that a relationship has been fractured. That a friend Has been hurt. These three fractured relationships is why Paul writes that the Spirit is set against our selfish desires. Because these desires damage our relationship, they hurt the relationship with self, with God, and with others. But Paul writes, if we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to be shaped in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit will grow within us. We won't seek out these selfish desires. Love, joy, peace, patience, generosity, kindness, and self-control may not seem like the sort of powers or weapons that a superhero might use to their advantage. But the Fantastic Four more than once have discovered that it's these very characteristics that help them win some of their most important battles. One such instance came from an arc that was referred to as World's End. I don't know how many times a comic features the end of the world, somebody trying to destroy a city or a planet. But this is another one of those instances for the Fantastic Four. And in this series, a group of aliens judges over earth and decides that because of warfare and poverty and famine and disease that earth has not dealt with and fixed. They designate that earth should be destroyed and all of its inhabitants. And they send a group of people to do just that. Through a long and complex series of events, the very beings who decided to destroy Earth find themselves on the brink of destruction. A Fantastic Four could have allowed the group to die. It would have ended their troubles and saved the planet. Yet these four individuals traveled to this distant planet. They saved their would-be executioner. It was their compassion that ultimately won the day not their superpowers. When Jesus performed miracles, it may have seemed to some as though he had superpowers. If that's the case, Jesus did not use these powers for his own benefit or to strike down his enemies. Instead, he used them to confront the evil in this world to call and to question oppressive systems of belief that would push others down into the margins. And when the Holy Spirit descended on the first followers in Jerusalem, many thought they were drunk. Others may have figured that a new group of heroes were on the scene. But Instead, it was a call to those and to each of us to take on the fruit of the Spirit, to claim it as our own. Superpowers as they exist in comics would not really be of much help to us as we live lives as people of faith. The ability to stretch abnormally would not help work to find justice for someone who might never see it otherwise. Otherwise, Invisibility would not help us feed the hungry. Super strength would not help us forgive those who have injured and cut us the deepest. And flames and fire isn't going to comfort a mother grieving in loss. The fruit of the Spirit is so much more helpful Verse 1 of chapter 5 begins with the statement, For freedom, Christ has set us free. The statement from Paul reveals two things. First, it is a reminder that we have been made free by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Second, it is a mission that is given to us. For freedom, you have been set free. You could say it another way. You have been set free to bring that freedom to others. Freedom, though, is not the absence of encumbrances or entanglements. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want it. It's not a separation from relationships. It is a feature of relationships that become especially apparent as a result of our relationship with Christ Jesus. The Spirit shapes us through the fruit to be a particular kind of people for whom love is always evident. Each of the, the items listed under the fruit of the Spirit can be boiled down to sim, simply into a means of love. Each of them are means by which we love God. Love, joy, peace. How we love each other, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. How we love ourselves, gentleness, and self control. The Spirit begins to move and change in us in a way that we begin to move from the selfish desires that drive wedges between us. It begins to change us in a way that those Fractured relationships are healed, mended, and made new. The fruit of the Spirit allows us to offer love, a love that can heal our broken relationships. So I ask you today, first, will you grab a hold of the fruit of the Spirit? Allow it to be cultivated in you through the Spirit of God. Second, think and pray on this. With whom might you share the fruit of the Spirit? Share that freedom. With whom can you offer love that comes in the form of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Where are those places of fractured relationships in your own life? Is it with friends, family? Family? Do you feel yourself cut off from God? Or do you feel at odds with yourself? For freedom, we have been set free. Free to grow in the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, evidenced by fruit that grows within each and every one of us. Today, I pray that you, that we all, would grab a hold of that fruit, would allow us to be shaped. Amen. Let us pray. God, you call us to go where Christ leads, to turn us from the ways of the world. Guide us us to fullness of joy in the Spirit where bodies and souls rest secure, and grant us strength to follow the way of the cross, which frees us to love one another for the sake of all creation. Amen.